Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. On the brink. All eyes are on the House as Democrats are prepared to impeach the president for only the third time in American history. You're trivializing impeachment. How will the vote shape the president and his legacy? Republican Congressman Will Hurd will join me. And trial by design? Republicans look to mount their defense of President Trump in the Senate with leadership in lockstep with the president and his team. Will there be a big show or a quick trial? This thing will come to the Senate and it will die quickly. I'll speak to Republican Senator Rand Paul next. Plus, fighter in chief. As impeachment divides Washington, 2020 Democrats split over the best way to win over the country. Anyone who starts off saying we can't bring America together is just throwing in the towel. What kind of president do Americans want in their corner? Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown joins me to discuss. Hello, I'm Jake Tapper in Washington, where the State of Our Union is bracing for impact. President Donald J. Trump's name will likely be added to a very short list in the history books this week, but certainly not in the way he may have hoped, as the House of Representatives considers whether to use the strongest rebuke the U.S. Constitution allows them to make him just the third U.S. president to ever be impeached. The defiant president is watching the drama unfold from the White House as he plots his response in a Senate trial. Overnight, the president welcomed the news that one House Democrat who opposes impeachment, Congressman Jeff Van Drew of New Jersey, is expected to switch parties and become a Republican. And the White House is confident that the president will be acquitted in the Senate. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham showed this weekend that he and his party have come a long way since Bill Clinton's impeachment in 1998, when then-Congressman Graham said this. If the Republican president would have done this... Let me just say this. It would be a good test for us if a Republican president had done these things with a Republican delegation gone to tell him to get out of town. I hope so. I would like to think that we would have done that. Well, they have that opportunity right now. And in contrast, yesterday, Lindsey Graham told CNN, quote, I'm not trying to be a fair juror here. This thing will come to the Senate and it will die quickly. And I will do everything I can to make it die quickly. I am trying to give a pretty clear signal. I have made up my mind. Joining me now is Republican Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. Senator, thanks for joining us as always. Uh, You have said you do not think there will be any Republican support for removing President Trump in his Senate trial. You will, of course, be a juror in that trial. So are you still keeping an open mind about this or have you already decided you will acquit the president? You know, we've seen the evidence. We're going to hear the evidence repeated, but we're not going to see any new evidence. So I think all of America has seen this. What we've found is this is a very partisan exercise. There's not going to be any Republicans in the House. In fact, there'll be a handful of Democrats who will vote against impeachment in the House. 
In the Senate, I think all Republicans will vote against the House. And I think two Democrats have a very good chance of voting against impeachment also. So I think what we've seen is it's just a very partisan thing. This is a disagreement. People on the Democrat side don't like President Trump. They don't like his demeanor. And so they decided to sort of criminalize politics. But I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a good day for the country. I think it's a sad day because I hope it doesn't devolve into that every president, like in different parts of Latin America, we either impeach or throw presidents into jail just because we don't like their politics. Mm -hmm. I think that will really dumb down and and destroy the country. You're going to swear an oath that says, I solemnly swear that in all things appertaining to the trial of the impeachment of Donald John Trump, president of the United States, now pending, I will do impartial justice according to the Constitution and laws. So help me God. Um, it doesn't sound like that oath is going to mean very much if you've already made up your mind, sir. Well, I would disagree. I would say that my oath is to the Constitution, and I take that very seriously. So, for example, you can interpret the Constitution in different ways. I interpret the Constitution that we should not be sending foreign aid to other countries. We should be taking care of what we were empowered to do through the Constitution, and one of them was not borrowing money from China to send it to Ukraine. So when the Democrats say, oh, we damaged national security by holding up for 55 days for money that was going to Ukraine, I say, well, we shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. And I think the money we give to other countries actually damages our Mm -hmm. national security. So just because I disagree with the Democrats, though, does that mean my position, I should be impeached for my position? So it really gets to the heart of this. This is a disagreement over policy. And this is sort of an extension of politics. But this isn't about the Constitution or the president breaking the Constitution. Foreign aid is always contingent upon behavior. In fact, the money we gave him to give to Ukraine, it says specifically in the law he has to certify that they are less uh, prone to corruption. So, I mean, he was instructed by Congress to do exactly what he asked to be done. So you're saying that you think that President Trump was actually doing this because he was combating corruption. This is, of course, a president. Well, yeah, there are, there are all kinds of accusations yeah, that Burisma and Hunter Biden right, but, and the company were corrupt and but, the founder of the company was but, corrupt. But this is a president whose former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, former national security advisor, Mike Flynn, former campaign advisor, Roger Stone, former deputy campaign chair, Rick Gates, former associate, uh, George Papadopoulos, all of them have been convicted of federal crimes In addition, last year, Trump University settled a $25 million fraud lawsuit. Last month, President Trump admitted misusing his own charitable foundation's money was ordered to pay $2 million. You really think President Trump is concerned about rooting out corruption? I think most of what you listed and most of the people that were indicted or convicted were alleged to have been part of some sort of huge Russian conspiracy. But I think what we found out from the inspector general's report is that it was all based on a false premise that Carter Page had something to do with The Trump Justice Department put all those people in prison or or sentenced all those people. It's not me. It turns out 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 that the FBI hid information that Carter Page all along was telling another part of the government, the CIA, that doesn't absolve Paul Manafort getting incidentally of of money laundering. I mean, that the the whole investigation that started this, General Flynn was not guilty of anything to do. Okay. Russians. General Flynn was guilty of not reciting his his conversation. I'm asking properly. you about President Trump and corruption. With him. I'm asking about President Trump and corruption. I just listed right. a number of close associates of President Trump's who are either right. in prison or fa- but facing sentencing. But I think it's based sentencing. on opinion. It's based on no, a, this, it's based these are on sentences. On these, are, these are criminal his opinion, sentences. His, 
His, his, his opinion on foreign aid is similar to mine. Mine is a, a little more exacting. But the president has had doubts on foreign aid. He said the Europeans should pay more. He withheld it. In fact, the law allows any president to withhold aid as long as they want until the f- end of the fiscal and, year. And, and Ukraine had been cleared. Act. Ukraine had been cleared right. on, the, on the benchmarks it needed to meet in, term, in terms of getting that aid well, that Congress no, passed. According to, the president, according to the president, I don't know that he had accepted that they had been let, cleared. Let me, let me just get back. Holding up their aid. I just wanted to know, do you really think President Trump is concerned about corruption? Just a yes or no. Is that something you really yes, believe? Yes, I do, I do, do, think, do, think, with, I do think that Ukraine... I think Ukraine has been one of the corruptest countries on earth. That's not what I asked. Backed or Western backed. All the governments of Ukraine have been corrupt. And yes, I do think that foreign aid does not cure corruption. I think foreign aid aids and abets corruption. And if you look at studies, you actually find that the more corrupt nations get more money because we think we're going to somehow make them better. Okay, so but they steal the money. Look at the Mubarak's. But you're not Egypt. really answering they the stole question. They stole $20, $30 billion. Well, sure, I'm answering the question. I think he you're saying you ca- you're concerned about corruption. Foreign aid. Okay. But let's be well, clear I think here. The president was too. If you listen he, to the president's speeches throughout his campaign and throughout his administration, he's been concerned with corruption with regard to foreign aid. He, mm. t- every time I talk to the president, he's talking about how countries are taking from us and not doing as we have asked them to do and so, not being good allies. Senator, and so this is a common theme, and I think it's a political point, and I think the Democrats are trying to impeach him for politics they disagree with. So just with. to be clear, this precedent that you are prepared to set. You would be okay with a president, say, Elizabeth Warren, asking a foreign government to investigate her top Republican rival as long as there was some sort of allegation about that Republican rival having some sort of connection to allegations of corruption. That's going to be okay with you. I think you all misreport this. But I think you all misreport this. It's just a fact. What What you guys say every time is, well, it's not. I mean, what you said is completely untrue. The president didn't well, no, call no, no, up no, the no. president of Ukraine and say, no, let, let, let me finish. He didn't call up the president of Ukraine and say, investigate my rival. He, he said, said investigate, investigate Joe Biden. A certain person and a certain... Let, let me finish. Here's, here's the thing is, you guys are not being honest with the facts here. He does not call up and say, investigate my rival. He says, investigate a person. So let's say I'm the Republican sheriff. And in Joe Biden is his Kentucky. rival. And, and let me finish. Let me finish my sentence. If I'm the Republican sheriff here... And my Democrat opponent's son is caught stealing from a liquor store. Am I supposed to say, oh, I'm allowed to investigate corruption unless that person is related to someone that might run against me? So you can't make rules that way. It's either corruption or it's not corruption. It happens that in this case, there were allegations of corruption and they involved Joe Biden and his son. And the American people, when they hear that Hunter Biden made 50 grand a month, they smell corruption. If you and I wanna... think it was wrong. And I think he used his office to enrich his son. And I think most Americans agree with us. But you keep saying that the president said, investigate my rival. He said, no, investigate, he said investigate Joe Biden. Corruption he said, investigate involves... Joe. The word yes, corruption does not yes. appear in that transcript, right. sir. The word corruption does not. He said, investigate Joe and Hunter Biden. But right. I know you want to talk right. about who, Afghanistan. Who worked for a company, no, but who worked for a company called Burisma, which had been investigated for many years for corruption. There are still allegations of corruption against Burisma, and I don't know that we've gotten the full picture. He didn't of say the investigate Burisma. This oligarch mm-hmm. and Hunter Biden's involved. See, w- w- I, I, he didn't say investigate Burisma or go investigate all the corrupt companies in in your country. He said investigate Joe and Hunter. Right. Biden. There's no secret about that. But I know you want to talk about yeah, Afghanistan. No. We agreed to but do this interview. Is, yeah. Do, do you want to talk about Afghanistan or not? Because. Be, Absolutely. I mean, the whole thing is we should talk about important things instead of wasting our time on this partisanship, you know? Well, 
I don't know that impeaching the president of the United States is, is a waste of time in terms of discussing it. But let's let, let me. I know you want to. I know you want to. It's nothing to do with the facts. All right. I want to get your view because I know you want to talk about it on this stunning new report from the Washington Post on Afghanistan, which found that U.S. officials misled the American people by publicly saying that they were making progress in Afghanistan, even though they knew they were not. We are now three years into the Trump presidency. There are more U.S. service members in Afghanistan and in the Middle East now than there were when Donald Trump took office. Do you think your foreign policy is actually more in line with Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders than with Donald Trump at the end of the day? Not what he says, but what he does. I think our American soldiers deserve better, and it's been Republican and Democrat administration, George Bush, President Obama. Look, President Obama put 100,000 troops into Afghanistan, and now Donald Trump has pledged to bring some out, but hasn't necessarily followed through with it. I think we should leave Afghanistan. That's my point of view. And I think our soldiers deserve to know what the mission is. And if our generals behind the scenes and our colonels behind the scenes are admitting that there's not a mission, that we cannot possibly make Afghan into some great American democracy, that we need to come home. We've needed to come home for more than a decade. And I don't want to see one more life lost. And yes, I'll work with Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren or Donald Trump on trying to make that happen. But really, politics and the impeachment is getting in the way of this. It used to be that there was bipartisan support between libertarian-leaning Republicans and some progressives like Bernie or Jeff Merkley or Tom Udall. But politics has gotten in the way of this. And because everybody hates Donald Trump so much, they criticize him for trying to leave Syria or Afghanistan instead of saying, hey, this is an opportunity where we actually could work together to get something done for the country. Thank you so much, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, joining us from Bowling Green this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. House Democrats set to deliver a historic rebuke to President Trump this week. And then the next day, they're going to hand him a huge victory. Plus, do Democratic primary voters want a lover or a fighter? Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown joins me next. Welcome back to State of the Union. I'm Jake Tapper. Just a day after Democrats are set to impeach the president, they will hand him a political victory. House Democrats giving the green light to advance President Trump's replacement for NAFTA, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Trade Agreement, or USMCA. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said the Senate will take up the renegotiated trade deal after the impeachment trial. Joining me now on this and much more, Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio. He's author of the new book, Desk 88, Eight Progressive Senators Who Changed America. It's getting rave reviews. Senator, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, I want to talk about that deal in a moment. But let's, of course, start with the expected impeachment trial in the Senate. Democrats are, are up in arms over Republican Senator Lindsey Graham saying yesterday, quote, I'm not trying to pretend to be a fair juror, but several of your fellow Senate Democrats, including Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, they've all said that based on the evidence they've seen, they would vote to convict President Trump. Are those Democratic senators making the same mistake that Lindsey Graham made? Well, I, I won't speak for others. I, I Although I share the outrage about McConnell as the leader of the Republican Party, the majority leader in the Senate, saying we're going to get this over with. Uh, we don't we we know he's not going to be convicted. I'm in fact, and then he says I'm working directly with the White House. Um, this is I mean, we, we take an oath uh, when we well, I've never been in this position. I mean, most of us have. We take an oath saying that at the beginning of the trial, that we will look at the evidence. I mean, I, I have very strong feelings about this president. I supported impeachment. He did things that Richard Nixon never did. He solicited a bribe from a foreign leader. Um, but I don't know if it rises to the level of, of high crimes and misdemeanors, to the level of conviction and removal, until I see the evidence. I hear the, the prosecution, which is the House 
uh, managers until I hear the president's defense. Then you make the decision based on the evidence. And for the leader of the United States Senate, Mitch McConnell, mm -hmm. to say he's coordinating with the White House to make sure he's not convicted and removed is um, I, I just it, it really is part of this see no evil, hear no evil. It's why I'm so disappointed in my colleagues is see no evil, hear no evil attitude that they don't want to look at anything uh, to that, that might disagree with their worldview of Republicanism and this president. Let me ask you a question. If we could step away for one second from what President Trump is alleged to have done and what we know he did, uh, and also to note there's no evidence of any wrongdoing on the part of Joe Biden and Ukrainian prosecutors say there's no evidence of wrongdoing by Hunter Biden. But in terms of the deal that Hunter Biden got, quite frankly, Senator, it stinks. It stinks to have someone make thousands of dollars to sit on the board of a company just because of a family connection. Should there be a law preventing people from being paid essentially just for their connections, fam familial connections to politicians? Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you in your assessment. I, I don't know how you write a law to do that exactly, but um, I think that it's, um, it, it, as I said, your assessment I think is pretty much right there. Uh, I think that um, we as a nation need to look more at at what we do in our foreign policy and things like that, and um, I would certainly consider that. Let's turn to the, the president's deal to replace NAFTA, the USMCA. Speaker Pelosi announced last week the Democrats had come to terms with the president. A House vote is expected as soon as this week. You originally opposed the deal, but after securing a number of worker protections, you now say it is, quote, the first trade agreement I've ever voted for. How did you get this? How did you get that? I'm, I'm stunned that it's good enough for somebody like you, who's a big union guy, to vote for. And, and does President Trump deserve some credit? Uh, I've never, I've never, as you point out, I've never voted for a trade agreement because every trade agreement that's been presented to Congress is all about co corporate interests and all about investor protections and corporate and, and corporate special interest protections, never about workers. When Trump, when President Trump put out his NAFTA revision, it was the same template. It was a pro-corporate deal that helped Washington's special interest. Uh, I worked with Speaker Pelosi and with the labor movement and with Senator Wyden of Oregon, my partner in this, on the Brown-Wyden language, which simply finally says these agreements should be about workers. And this will mean that workers in the United States and with our trading partners will see their standard of living increase. It will begin to slow down the movement from corporations shutting down production in our country and moving overseas. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't fix that because, frankly, President Trump's tax bill, where if you shut down production in Lordstown, Ohio, you're paying a 21 percent tax rate there. You move to Mexico, you pay 10 and a half percent. So the president has continued his pro-corporate trade policy through the tax system and other ways. Um, but this agreement, because we've got this these labor standards that will lift workers up, uh, makes sense. Uh, let's turn to the 2020 race. You said it would be a, quote, terrible mistake for the eventual Democratic nominee to support Medicare for all, saying that it could scare off voters in places like Ohio, where you're from, and, and give President Trump a political advantage on health care. So are you saying that you don't think Democrats can beat Trump with a nominee who supports Medicare for all, like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren? Well, I, I, I think we're going to beat Trump. I think we're going to beat him in Ohio. But I, I think because of this and this health care, you know, all, all the Democrats on that platform, all the Democrats in the debate want, you know, want to get to universal health care coverage, some at different speeds or at different in different paths. But the fact is that all Democrats want universal health care. President Trump doesn't. President Trump first through Congress when McCain cast the tie-breaking vote to stop the repeal, now through a court 
uh, Northern District Court in Texas is trying to take away those protections for seniors, take away the consumer protections for pre-existing conditions. So the debate is about Democrats want universal coverage, Republicans, the president, the entire Republican Party is opposed to it uh, and opposed to those consumer protections for pre-existing condition. Two million people in my state have a pre-existing condition. This is a direct threat, what the president's doing to their health care coverage. That's what the debate should be about. That's what I will work in Ohio to make that debate about, no matter who the president, who the Democratic nominee is. All right. Senator Sherrod Brown, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. The book again, uh, worth checking out. We appreciate it today. Good. Thanks very much. Jake. Next, we're going to talk to one moderate Republican who says President Trump's call with Ukraine was inappropriate. So has the president learned his lesson? Congressman Will Hurd, Republican of Texas, is next. Welcome back to CNN State of the Union. I'm Jake Tapper. Earlier this year, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said that impeachment must be bipartisan, but not a single Republican in the House has said he or she will vote aye on Wednesday. Joining me now is someone who will be casting one of those historic votes, Republican Congressman Will Hurd of Texas. Congressman, thanks so much uh, for joining us. You said that you're going to vote against the articles of impeachment. Are you not worried at all that your vote will essentially be seen as giving a green light for every president in the future to use their power to ask foreign leaders, pressure foreign leaders to investigate political mm -hmm. rivals? Uh, no, I, I don't believe that's what the, the message is being sent. <clears throat> you can vote against impeachment and still disagree with some of the policies or, or, or some of the, the behavior. Um, you know, as you said in the lead up, this this is such a, a monumental vote using this a process of impeachment is one of the most serious things uh, that the House of Representatives can do. And, and even Speaker Pelosi said it should be bipartisan. Um, the only thing bipartisan about this process is the uh, opposition of, of impeachment. We're going to have at least two Democrats voting against this. And, and my fear is that you weaponize impeachment for political gains in the future. Um, just like, you know, now we have budget debates that become weaponized, um, voting for Supreme Court justices uh, become weaponized. And, and for me, my standard for impeachment has always been a, a violation of the law. Uh, you have 435 folks in the House, 100 senators. There's, that means there's 535 different definitions of impeachment. And you know, I've sat through those you know, hundreds of hours of depositions and hearings mm -hmm. um, and didn't see any evidence of uh, presented of bribery and, or um, extortion. Now, I, I would have liked to list, hear from <clears throat> Rudy Giuliani. I would have liked to hear from, from other folks. Um, but it's the responsibility of the leaders of the House, uh, Speaker Pelosi, uh, to press for the third branch of government, the judicial branch, uh, to compel action. So if it's not bribery, uh, what was it? I mean, President Trump clearly uh, was asking a foreign leader to investigate Joe Biden, who is, mm -hmm. by definition, one of his political rivals. Uh, he, according to Gordon Sondland, it was a quid pro quo. Those investigations needed to be announced in order for the Ukrainians to get a, a White House meeting. Mm -hmm. You've said that this behavior is inappropriate. How do you send a signal to a president or any future presidents? You can't do this because otherwise, potentially, you have President Buttigieg demanding that China investigate Jared Kushner's mm -hmm. family for their comments about visas. I mean, it, it just it opens up a huge Pandora's box. I'm sure you see that. 
No, I, look, I, I, I don't disagree with, with the premise, but, but there's other tools in our toolkit. There's ways to uh, prevent legislation that the president wants, to uh, prevent uh, funding for operations. And, and, but I, I would also question um, the, the issue of that the funding was, was based on um, the announcements of, this, of, this, um, of, of an investigation because uh, Mr. Yermak, who is the um, senior advisor to the to the Ukrainian president? Um, questioned um, Ambassador Sunland's, um, you know, how he remembered one of those meetings, and and ultimately one of the things that we never saw when Adam Schiff uh, presented the call records um, uh, that included Giuliani, um, Mayor Giuliani and ranking member Nunes and some reporters. You never saw Rudy Giuliani calling. Uh, officials within the Ukrainian regime. Um, I asked you know, every folk, every person that came um, before the hearings, who did Rudy Giuliani speak to? Because if he was the one that was supposed to be uh, delivering the bribe, uh, we we ultimately never never <clears throat> saw it. Well, and, he... and, and and ultimately, you know, I, I know that this debate about abuse of power. I wish we were talking more about what we've seen and and was revealed by Inspector General Horowitz from the Department of Justice. Um, on his IG report yeah, and, and, about and, how how the the four FISA warrants um, you know was was involved, and I'll get to that in a second. But you just talked about Andrei Yermak. Obviously, Ukrainian leaders publicly are saying there was no pressure. Uh, it's pointed out, obviously, they still rely on President Trump and the Trump administration. There was evidence presented to your committee August 10th. Yermak privately texted. It will be logical to do after we receive a confirmation of the White House meeting date. Once we have a date, we'll call for a press briefing announcing upcoming visit and outlying vision for the reboot of U.S.-Ukraine relationship, including, among other things, Burisma and election meddling and investigation. So the Ukrainians knew, I mean, that is Zelensky's top aide, Yermak, they knew they needed to make these announcements, regardless of what they're saying publicly today, they were saying this privately to Trump people, we get it, we understand, we need to announce these investigations in order to get what we want. And, and what they want in that case was, was a meeting um, that wasn't connected to the aid because senior Ukrainians didn't know about the aid um, uh, potentially being stalled until um, after the July 25th phone call between uh, Donald Trump and, and Ukrainian President uh, Zelensky. And so, so that's, th those, are, those are the nuance of, of this. And, you know, I, I, one of the things that I get frustrated with when my colleagues on the other side of the aisle um, suggest that the Ukrainians are subservient to the United States of America, uh, the Ukrainians are involved mm -hmm. in a hot war right now with Russia. And to say that they would, in essence, lie uh, because they need the support of the of the United States government is doing a disservice to the Ukrainians and the Ukrainian president and what they're and what they're ultimately dealing with. Um, they're going to do what's in their best interest for their country, and they're not going to lie to their own citizens about something like this. And so we kind of oftentimes just dismiss uh, the Ukrainian mm -hmm. what the Ukrainians have said on this particular issue. I, I know you want to talk about this new report this week from the intelligence community in, inspector uh, general, the Department of Justice inspector general, rather. Uh, the inspector general report made it clear that the Russian investigation was launched properly, but they also revealed um, 17 significant ac inaccuracies and omissions were in the FISA applications. Progressives and civil libertarian, libertarians have been arguing for years that the FISA process is being abused. Um, now that Republicans are outraged, aware that this process can affect people like Carter Page, is there an impetus here to reform the process? 
I, I think there is. Um, FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, that was passed in, I think it was 1979, and there's been a, a number of additions to that uh, to ensure that when uh, federal law enforcement or the intelligence community uh, looks to get electronic surveillance on an individual, especially American citizen, um, that our Fourth Amendment civil liberties are, are being protected. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's debates right now uh, about do you introduce a, a, a third entity um, to debate and, and have the side of the person that the FBI or the NSA is looking um, to, to surveil to make sure that they're doing what they're doing. And, and I, I just want to make one point on, on this Horowitz report. Mm -hmm. uh, the bar for the FBI to open a, an investigation is, is actually pretty low. Very low. Uh, whether or not that was done properly, improperly. They said it was done properly. That, that's not the real question. The real question is why were there 17 lies in this report, you had a guy who was helping one branch of the government thinking he was helping his country, and another branch of the government was using that as an, an excuse to say he was committing espionage. As a former intelligence officer, that's absolutely outrageous. And, and, and for me, if this would have been, the roles were reversed, I, I don't understand why more people aren't outraged. I don't understand why Chairman Schiff's not upset, because he was lied to uh, by folks. The media was lied to um, uh, about this. And if, the, if Horowitz would have came back and said that the uh, Steele dossier was 100% true, I would be apoplectic because people would have lied to me and I'd be dragging them um, to, no. to the Hill for, to answer questions. I agree with you 100%. There should be a lot more bipartisan outrage uh, about this. Uh, Congressman Wilher, thank you so much. Hope to have you on again soon to talk about issues beyond impeachment. <laughs> thank you. 2020 Democrats are divided over how to unite the party. The approach Senator Elizabeth Warren is calling naive. What is it? That's next. You're trivializing impeachment. And I tell you what, someday there'll be a Democrat president and there'll be a Republican House. And I suspect they're going to remember it. President Trump issuing a warning to Democrats about this week's historic vote as the House of Representatives appears poised to impeach a U.S. president for only the third time in American history. Let's discuss. Uh, Congresswoman, let me start with you. You're on the House Judiciary Committee, so you have already voted in favor of the articles of impeachment. What do you think when you hear of the president's argument there just about the precedent that is being set, or perhaps it was already set, <clears throat> 21 years ago? Well, I think that he didn't understand it from the beginning. You remember, he said he'd welcome it. But, you know, for us, we felt such an incredible sense of urgency because of his attempt to interfere in the 2020 election. And so the abuse of power and the obstruction of Congress, if he thinks it's trivial, remember, he wouldn't give us one document. He tried to ban everybody from coming to speak to us. So uh, I think that maybe the seriousness of impeachment is finally beginning to hit him. What about the converse uh, precedent being set, which is, is it okay for a U.S. president to ask a foreign country to investigate a, a rival? Well, there's two, two issues here. The one that I have the most problem with is the second article, which uh, says... Obstruction of Congress. Yeah, which says that if a president doesn't comply with what Congress does, you can be impeached. Every president's going to be impeached going forward if they say, you know, we're not going to give you what you asked for. I think this is, this is reckless on the part of the Democrats to go in that direction. And, and I would... 
I'd be stunned if, 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 if the more Democrats don't vote against that than vote against the first one. The first one, look, you, could, you have a, uh, the representative, I have a different point of view on, on what we believe the president did. I don't think what the president did was right in that conversation. I don't think it was anywhere near impeachable. I'll say to my good friend Paul, who was with Bill Clinton at the time, every Democrat in 1998 agreed that what the president did was illegal. There was oh, no question about it. Well, he, did he commit? They said it was wrong. They said it was wrong. Immoral. Oh well, no, no, no. That he committed. Well, Democrat after Democrat walked to the floor of the United States Senate and said, "Yes, what he did was break the law. He perjured oh. himself." No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Crime. And, and the reality is that they admitted he, he that what he his did. Wife, he didn't violate any law. But, but, but he committed but perjury. But There's no question. But in terms of the second article, though, the reality If is you it. look at Clinton, if you look at Nixon, nobody stonewalled the way he did. But he and but, he's engaged but the, in a cover-up the remedy, from the, the remedy, Congresswoman, as you know, as every Congress in he history has done. Anybody to the remedy is to go to court and get the court to compel him, and they haven't done that. That's the problem. I think that's not mutually exclusive. Uh, when the president says we're trivializing, we, we the country or the Democrats are trivializing this, we give our president 6,800 nuclear weapons. He commends them with no check or balance. He has 1.3 million men and women under arms. We saw him yesterday at the Army-Navy game. Every one of those midshipmen, every one of those cadets is under his command. He has the most power of any human being in the history of humanity. And yet now he says he's, he can do what he likes. He can leverage that power to advantage himself in the election. If that is, as Professor Gerhardt said in his testimony, if that's not impeachable, what is? Mary Catherine, where do you come down on this? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm on record as saying that the conversation was bad behavior. And that was pretty clear to me from the beginning. Um, the question is a judgment call on whether you impeach and remove for it. And I think I'm, many Democrats, look, obviously some of it is political and partisan, Many Democrats, I think, feel that they have an obligation to move forward on this to check the president. And I think it's worth having a marker down to say this is bad behavior. I think censure might have been a better strategic move and would have accomplished that. Um, the thing that I keep seeing is that the extent to which people in this town think that this is we are inexorably headed toward removal of the president and everyone is sort of behind this. And obviously these things should happen. Um, that's not reflected in polling and it's not reflected in particularly independents in swing states who are really important to getting on board. And Democrats are going to have to deal with the fact that it's very likely that the anti-impeachment side of this will be the more bipartisan side of it. And that's um, a problem. Let me ask you this. I want to go to uh, the graphic for question four. Um, she's right in the sense that uh, when you look at polls from the swing states, such as this poll uh, from Marquette uh, Law School, which shows not only is there not support for impeachment in this key state of Wisconsin mm -hmm. among likely voters, uh, but that it hasn't changed from November to December. It's still a slight majority opposing it, 40 percent supporting it. Does that not concern you politically? I understand you think you're doing what is the right thing, right, but is there absolutely. not a political ramification you're also afraid of, perhaps? Sure, there is a political ramification, but, you know, to me, that puts the burden on us to make sure that we do the, vo the work we need to do to get the vote out, to educate the voters. But I do think it's very significant, even the, though the percentage hasn't moved, it's still a very high percentage of people that feel that the president should be impeached and should be removed. But, you know, most of my colleagues, when we went in to take that vote uh, in judiciary, Everybody was sad. It was solemn. We understood the importance of what we were doing, but felt the urgency was such that we could not just allow the president to continue. Remember, he believes that Article 2 says he can do anything. And we had to put the brakes on him because we can't have... I mean, before we worried about voter suppression. Now I have to worry about presidential interference in the election. The reality is they're not stopping anything. 
That's the reality. The reality is this is a political exercise, and it's unfortunate that they may have been able, Mary Catherine alluded to censure, they may have been able to get some sort of bipartisan agreement to do something. I can send a message to the president. I, well, this sends no message. But, but wait a minute. <laughs> my, this sends my, a partisan my, message. My Republican colleagues cannot even say actually what you did, which is that you didn't think the behavior was appropriate. Right. You remember, they went out, and they said that, and they got slapped right away and fell into line by basically saying that nothing happened. When the president came out and said, what I did was perfect. Quick. Politically, where people were actually voting, I'm old enough to remember when Kentucky had a Republican governor. That was six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. He ran against <laughs> impeachment. He lost. The Virginia House, the Virginia Senate, the Republicans ran against impeachment. They lost. In Louisiana, the Republican was going to beat the Democratic incumbent governor. Louisiana, running on impeachment, he lost. So Republicans have been running against impeachment, and not in swing states, in Republican states, and they've been losing. Thanks, one and all. Merry Christmas. On a happier note, we <laughs> want to welcome the newest member of our State of the Union family, Nicholas Alexander. Arzamanov, he is the beautiful new son just born of our executive producer, Abigail, and her husband, Alex. We love him already. We cannot wait to meet him. Coming up next with Washington divided over Wednesday's impeachment vote, there is one key question for Republicans. What is it? Stay with us. Welcome back. There has been a glut of information for Americans to consume over the past few months, and not all of it's bad for President Trump. There's Hunter Biden's legal but swampy Burisma contract, serious and potentially criminal FBI misconduct. But make no mistake, the primary question facing the House of Representatives and indeed the nation this week is whether it's acceptable for a U.S. president to use the power of his office to get a foreign government to launch an investigation into a domestic political rival. That's really it. That's the fundamental decision. House Republicans have taken many approaches to try to change the subject from that question. Some just plain deny reality. Why is it ever okay for, for an American president to ask a foreign power to investigate a political rival? Why do you think that's okay? He, didn't, president to, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He sure did. He's never denied what he wanted from Ukraine. Take a listen. If they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Biden. The other frequent attempt to change the subject is to complain about process and procedure. Mr. Chairman, what will live from this day is your ruling and the majority's ruling of minority rights are dead in this Congress. That's unlikely. The thing is, if you read about the moves to impeach President Andrew Johnson and Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton, history does not spend any serious time on the partisan squabbles over procedure. The focus is always on what the president did and how the members of Congress voted. And no one should belittle how difficult it is to vote to condemn a president from one's own party. In 1974, Republican Congressman Robert McClory of Illinois, he initially supported President Nixon, but it got to be too much. I've heard it said by some that they cannot understand how a Republican could vote to impeach a Republican president. It would infer that no matter what high crimes and misdemeanors might have been committed, that if attributable to a Republican president, then I, as a Republican, am foreclosed from judging the merits of the case. I cannot and do not envision my role in that dim light. In that dim light, judging a president's misconduct through a partisan lens, or any lens other than right or wrong. When Congressman McClory died at age 80, 
1988. His obituary in the New York Times did not mention procedural gripes. It focused right in the headline on how McClory voted on the charges against President Nixon. Abuse of power, aye. Contempt of Congress, aye. The McClory test is vital. Would your representative vote differently on impeachment had a Democratic president asked Ukraine to investigate a Republican politician? After all, President Trump will eventually leave Washington, D.C., but this vote and the standard being set will live forever. If members of Congress are looking only to November 2020 and not to their eventual obituary, well, then they're viewing not just this vote, but the U.S. presidency through a light that is not just dim, but pitch black, which is what it looks like, I suppose, when you close your eyes. Fareed Zakaria is next. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.